Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about understanding the differences between Medicare and long-term Medicaid is Lynn Sochi and Michael Anthony. Lynn is a certified Medicaid planner and owner of MediAsset Protect. At MediAsset Protect, they help families navigate an often confusing process, so they qualify for the care needed to live better lives in-home care and personal care services. Michael is a former delegate to the White House Conference on Aging, chair of the Certified Medicaid Planner Governing Board, author and lecturer, and subject matter expert in the area of Medicaid planning. Michael wrote the largest textbook on the subject of Medicaid planning and teaches an extensive curriculum of continuing legal education. The presented content does not provide or constitute medical, financial, or legal advice. The content is for information purposes only. Viewing or listening to the content does not constitute a physician-patient, dentist-patient, fiduciary client or attorney client relationship. Hello, Anthony, and excuse me, hello, Michael and Lynn, how are you guys doing? <laughs> good, thank doing you. Well. Doing well, yourself? Doing very good. I looked up and saw Michael Anthony went right to the last, the last <laughs> name, so my apologies. I've been called way worse. <laughs> well, you're not, not today you won't. So um, before we get started, guys, um, for those joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, type your questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So Lynn, I'd like to turn it over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, for having us on today. Um, I'm really happy to be here. And actually, Michael is going to do the presentation for everyone today. He is basically Medicaid everything, and he is the foremost expert. So we're going to let him do the presentation, and then um, it can help out with some questions later. Michael? Great. Well, thanks. First of all, I'd really like to th thank Knowledgeable Aging uh, for having me and uh, for our uh, time today. I uh, appreciate everybody's uh, attention. I'm happy to take questions as we go through, or we can save them to the end, um, but uh, feel free to speak up if anybody does have uh, a question. Um, what I want to get into uh, a little bit about me first, uh, just as, uh, as was mentioned, uh, I spend most of my time teaching the subject of long-term care Medicaid planning, and I work with law firms and financial firms around the country, very similar. Uh, to Lynn Sochi's uh, company um, in terms of helping with very complex uh, overarching uh, Medicaid planning issues in the long-term care field. I chair the Certified Medicaid Planner Governing Board, which oversees the certification of Medicaid planners in America. Um, and uh, I am not. Uh, so if you thought you were getting the... Uh, uh, Mike Anthony from Van Halen. That is not me. Uh, you, 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 you get the guy who uh, wrote the textbook on uh, Medicaid planning, which is now in its uh, fourth edition, uh, which just came out uh, this year. Uh, so with that said, we are going to uh, kind of jump into this kind of strange dichotomy between Medicare and Medicaid and the confusion that goes along with it. Uh, and to do that, we were going to talk about how big of a problem long-term care is. This is huge. And it's a growing problem. So what we are looking at is that people are getting older. There's just much more of them. Through every single day, 
uh, of the the baby boomer generation uh, reaching age 65, there's at least 10,000 or more in America turning 65. And this problem is is rather summed up best kind of in a practical uh, situation that I had a couple years ago where I was on the phone with an 80-year-old gentleman who was complaining about his 100-year-old mother who had gone into the nursing home. So we see what we call the good news, bad news problem. The good news is, is that people are living longer, and the bad news is that people are living longer. And there is no real kind of end in sight for this growth trajectory We've seen the pandemic kind of have a stunted effect on it, but that is a, a temporary effect. What we have been blessed with really is an advance in medical care to the point where most of us uh, find that our bodies tend to keep going perhaps long after our mental faculties do. And that creates just a large need for long-term care. So what is long-term care? Long-term care is a subset of medical care that is, uh, it balances out this issue of having uh, some medical needs on one hand, and uh, conversely, the inability to do certain things in your life that really don't require to have a, a you know medical prescription for them. They just require that you need certain levels of assistance. And so it's defined as a chronic or disabling condition that requires nursing care or constant supervision. Uh, it is typically defined as the inability to do certain activities of daily living. Now, tr traditionally, the threshold for nursing home level care is the inability to do three or more activities of daily living. And those would be your prime activities, such as. Uh, such as toileting, bathing, uh, mobility, medication maintenance, things of that uh, caliber. And the way we provide long-term care services in America comes through a handful of uh, different uh, forms. So we have home care, which can be in the non-medical and medical categories. As we delve into the difference between Medicare and Medicaid, we will see that, that each has its own separate lane when it comes to dealing with home care. Then we have assisted living. Assisted living is basically kind of one step up from independent living, uh, but one step below skilled nursing. So assisted living is you're still kind of in your own apartment. You are uh, getting some help, but your help is on a scale. So you could be at the low end of the scale and need somebody to come by once a day and make sure that you take your medicine on time. It could be at the high end of the scale where you need to have somebody come in and help you uh, get in and out of the shower daily uh, for, for, your, for your daily shower routine. Um, but so that, and the price of course varies accordingly. We're gonna talk about price here in a second. And lastly, we have what's considered skilled nursing. Skilled nursing is a combination, obviously, of non-nurse uh, caregivers and 24-7 uh, nurse caregivers that work together to provide uh, a 24-7 environment. And this is sometimes necessary because of the inability to 
uh, ambulate, the inability to feed oneself, um, the inability to, the lack of mental capacity to uh, remember where one oneself is and, and having to deal with, with uh, maybe a lockdown situation or, you know, constant supervision. And, and so, you know, without getting, you know, too, too detailed on that, this is basically uh, the, the result uh, that we see the most of, of a advanced Alzheimer's where you have somebody without the capacity, uh, you know, to remember who they are, where they're at. Um, and then you also see this probably most readily in uh, uh, stroke victims. So, you know, someone has a stroke and they're, they lose mobility. Um, they, they would typically end up in a skilled nursing facility, depending upon the severity of the stroke. Uh, the biggest reason that we want to talk about the different health insurances and their government role in uh, long-term care is because of the high cost. So not only is this a huge problem and a growing problem, it is also one that comes with a growing price tag. Uh, we, what we've seen in the last decade isn't the growth of building skyscrapers it, we, we haven't seen very many of those anymore, right? But we have seen a massive growth in the building of long-term care facilities to meet the need of the growing demand. The statistics show that it will, if you reach age 65, there's now a 70% likelihood that you will need some form of long-term care during your lifetime. And this, the financing of this is a big problem because the cost of care is extremely high. So nationally, we're going to find that the average cost of a nursing home stay is roughly around $8,000 per month. But if you're on the East Coast or the West Coast, you're going to find that it's closer to about $12,000 a month. This will be the highest cost of anyone's lifetime that has to face long-term care uh, for, for the vast majority of people needing care towards their end of life. This also, by the way, is the single greatest risk to retirement assets ever. Now, let me repeat that because that's probably one of the most important things that you can take away from today's discussion. The high cost of long-term care is the single greatest risk to retirement assets in the history of America. And so when we look at that, we, we look at how we deal with that and what kind of systems are in place. So we look to long-term care funding. So how is long-term care funded? And what we, what we find is that there's really two categories of funding. There is private funding and public funding. And the key to understanding these is to understand that in most cases, the public funding requires that you exhaust private funding first. And so there's a lot of confusion in this area. I don't know if I will clean up all of the confusion in 30 minutes today, but I will try and help focus you in on some very key things where there is huge misunderstanding. So let's start with private financing. First, we call this private pay or self-insurance. 
This is where you use your own personal assets to pay for the cost of your long-term care. We're going to get into each of these in greater detail. Secondly, is it rather than using your own wallet, your own pocketbook, your own IRAs and 401ks, you partner with a private long-term care insurance company? You can do this by either buying directly long-term care insurance or purchasing life insurance or annuities with what's known as a long-term care insurance rider. That's where it will give you an enhanced payout if you need long-term care. In the public financing arena, we have Medicare and Medicaid. These are confusing, mostly at first, just because they sound the same. Secondly, they were part of the same set of programs that were put in place by Johnson back in 1965, and they've both evolved to a certain degree in this area. And because of what they cover and what they don't cover, uh, people get horribly confused. So let's break down each of these four uh, different financing boxes. First, we go for our self-insured. This is somebody who needs long-term care, who has resources to pay for long-term care. Typically, if you're looking for uh, Medicaid to pay for your long-term care, eventually, then you will need to exhaust your personal resources. We call that the Medicaid spend down. When you are looking at self-insurance, you're looking at having to cover all of your cost of care because you don't have any backstop. And you're doing that essentially until you have exhausted the resources. We find in America roughly someone with a four to five million dollar asset base, depending on their location, depending on how much those assets are producing income they will be considered to be fully self-insured. That means having enough assets, generating enough income, that you have enough income to pay full price for the cost of your long-term care. Most people do not fit that category. If you're blessed to be in that category, my uh, hat is off to you. But it, for the, the other 98% of America, uh, we have to look at our other options. And so the first is uh, the private financing option. So long-term care insurance is a bit of a misnomer. Long-term care insurance is not a health insurance per se. Long-term care insurance is an asset insurance. Long-term care insurance is where you typically would go, either purchase a policy directly with a carrier or you would buy an annuity or a life insurance policy that has a, a rider on it. The rider basically says, uh, you, when you pull money out for long-term care expenses, we're going to give you extra money just in case you happen to be in that boat. So what that does is it either will give you enough money to privately pay through the long-term care insurance policy or it will give you enough money so that you don't have to use as many of your assets to cover the cost of long-term care. Either way, though, it is, a, it is an asset insurance, not a health insurance. 
Now, most long-term care insurance policies will cover home care, they'll cover assisted living, and they'll cover nursing home care. The biggest problem I find with most long-term care insurance policies is that they aren't big enough to fully cover nursing home care, and they end up essentially only subsidizing the government's portion of the payment once the person is on Medicaid, which we'll talk about in a moment. The two biggest hurdles to owning long-term care insurance are the high cost and the strict underwriting. And the, one of the reasons why we say this is not health insurance is because, remember, the, for, the Affordable Care Act eliminated pre-existing conditions. Well, long-term care insurance looks at your pre-existing conditions, looks at your family history, looks at, at, at any likelihood that you might need long-term care, and will tell you you just simply can't have it. And when do most people want long-term care insurance? It's typically the day after they've been diagnosed with something that causes them to be ineligible to purchase it. So we look at our two public financing sources. Medicare, which is a health insurance, gives us a limited coverage for nursing homes. Most people think it covers way more than it does. So for long-term care, Medicare as a health insurance is something that only covers typically 100 days in a skilled nursing facility. Now, the 100 days isn't even a full 100 days. First, you had to have gone to the hospital, been admitted to the hospital, not been admitted under what's called an observation stay, because observation stay days don't count. You would have had to have spent three days in the hospital. It's what we call the two midnight rule. As long as you've been there admitted for at least two midnights, then you get coverage. You have to go directly from the hospital to the nursing home. You can't go home first and then go to the nursing home. And what happens with, with Medicare is that it will give you full coverage for the first 20 days and then partial coverage for the remaining 80 days. And this is a benefit that resets over time. It is considered a rehabilitation benefit, not a long-term care benefit. But if you talk to people who sell long-term care insurance, the existence of this Medicare benefit is one of the biggest reasons that people complain that they don't want to purchase long-term care insurance. Their aunt has a hip replacement, goes into the hospital, goes into the nursing home, rehabs in the nursing home for three months, comes home, doesn't get a bill between Medicare and her uh, private health insurance, her Medigap policy, the price at the nursing home was paid for. So they think, why am I going to buy insurance for something that Medicare is going to cover? And the problem with that is that Medicare covers only short-term stays. By definition, Medicare may cover a nursing home stay, but it is not considered long-term care coverage because 10 you know, uh, 100 days, 80, 80 and 20 do doesn't really add up to long term. So three months is not, by definition, long term. Now, Medicare, as we're going to talk about, is an automatic health insurance program uh, where there is no financial eligibility standards, unlike Medicaid. And Medicaid gets confusing, not only because it sounds like Medicare. You'd be surprised how many people call and say, uh, 
you know, Lynn, can you help me with Medicare planning? And the answer to that is no, yeah. Medicare is automatic, right? So Medicare is, is a, an automatic thing that you don't plan for because there's no eligibility standards um, that are financial. Medicaid, however, has two programs. One is health insurance for low-income applicants, and the other is a long-term care program that helps as a financial backstop that uh, basically is not a poverty program. I call it a public-private partnership because Medicaid first requires that you exhaust your own assets. Then Medicaid requires that you contribute your income monthly once your assets are exhausted. So the process by which you contribute your own assets first is called the Medicaid spend out. And today's discussion uh, you know, is, is pretty basic. It, the, we're not gonna get into the Medicaid spend down very heavily, uh, but understand that it does not require total impoverishment. Any program that lets you keep a half million dollar house and $100,000 in the bank and still qualify for full coverage is by definition not a poverty program. Mm -hmm. They do, however, penalize you if you transfer assets to qualify. So for most of the country, we have a look back period of 60 months. In California, they're still stuck on the old look back period of 30 months that was originally instituted in 1989. But for the rest of the country, it is a five year or 60 month look back and a very complicated set of rules. So where we get into the Medicare versus Medicaid confusion is of course, first understanding the differences because of course, if you wanna, if you wanna confuse people, make sure the two programs sound almost identical when you say them out loud. <laughs> they are both health insurance related. So when we are looking at you know, what we're dealing with, it's what does each cover? And since both cover some part of a nursing home uh, cost, it's very confusing to understand uh, the different scope of, of, of coverage. And as I mentioned, both were created at the same time. So Medicare and Medicaid were both instituted as part of the Social Security Amendments of 1965. And why were they not separate programs? Well, up to that point, Social Security was a very popular program. So enhancing Social Security was just making Social Security better by adding Medicare and Medicaid. And so for Medicare eligibility, this is pretty straightforward. You have to be 65 or older. You can get it if you're under 65, if you are um, considered disabled with certain disabilities. So if you file for SSI or SSDI and you are in the particular category of disability where there's automatic coverage, they will automatically enroll you in Medicare. And lastly, people with end-stage renal disease are considered to be automatically enrolled regardless of their age in terms of eligibility. Medicare has four basic parts, A, B, uh, C, and D. Um, a is the hospital coverage that you do not pay for. B is the Medicare coverage for medical expenses beyond uh, the hospital coverage. This is your Medicare Part B premiums are typically deducted from your Social Security check uh, if you don't qualify for an automatic uh, Part B. 
Part C is really a combination of A and B in what we call the Medicare Advantage programs. So when you see those being advertised rather heavily on TV uh, with your you know, favorite former actor, um, that's what they're pushing there. Um, and, and those that are pushing Medicaid, Medicare supplements are pushing the policies that cover the rest of Part B that B, B only covers so much. So you either get a supplement to fill in the gap, known as a Medigap policy, or you pursue a combination where they wrap it all together in a Medicare Advantage plan, which is known as Part C. And then there are also prescription drug coverage, uh, which was a result of the Medicare changes uh, passed by President Bush. And so typically uh, those drug coverages uh, also uh, when at the time, if you were on Medicaid and Medicaid was covering your drug coverage, it shifted all drug coverage over to Medicare. And so if, you're, if you don't already have a Part D, typically once you go on Medicaid, you will also get a Medicare Part D to cover your, drug, your prescription drugs. So Medicaid has its two programs. These two programs are the what's known as MAGI, which is the Modified Adjusted Gross Income Program. This is known as General Medicaid and the ABD, Aged, Blind, and Disabled. And the, A, the MAGI focuses on income and assets, but there's no transfer to qualify or transfer penalties or spend down to qualify. You can give away your assets and fully qualify. But the ABD Medicaid, which covers our long-term care, covers some home and community-based services. In some states, it covers assisted living. Um, that, those are typically called waiver services because originally it was nursing home only and the states had to apply for a waiver. This requires a spend down of assets if you're over the limit and will penalize you for transferring assets. The four basic pillars of eligibility are being over 65, blind or disabled. That's where we get the ABD, aged, blind and disabled, being a U.S. citizen or having proper registration. Medical need. So for nursing home care, it's three or more activities of daily living. For home and community-based services, they basically deter <clears throat> they determine your level of need based upon your medical need, and then that judges how many hours they have home care. For income, there are two types of states, income cap states, where if you have more than $2,382 worth of income, you would need a what's known as a Miller Trust. And then there are the other half of the states, which are non-income cap states, where you just, if you don't have enough income to pay for the cost of your care, you're considered financially needy. And lastly, assets have to be set down to, spent down to preset limits. And those limits will uh, basically depend on your state to a certain am amount. There are some general rules where uh, you have exempt assets that do not have to be spent down. Uh, assets such as the home, which as long as the equity limit is less than $603,000. One vehicle, a prepaid funeral, not to exceed state or local limits. Personal property, home, yeah, furnishings, clothing, furniture. Uh, some states will protect qualified retirement accounts, but the vast majority do not. And lastly, assets that are converted into an income stream 
through the use of a Medicaid compliant annuity are also considered exempt, both from the spend down and also from a transfer penalty. So Medicaid has very strict rules. Most single patients must spend down to $2,000. Most married couples, if they are both in a nursing home, have to spend down to $3,000. And the community spouse can have a protected amount. Now, some states will protect an automatic $130,380. But in the vast majority of the states, it's a formula where you add up one half of the assets, divide by two, with a cap of 130,000. So there's a floor and a ceiling there. And as I mentioned, there's a five-year look back on transfers for every state except California. And they use the average private pay rate of the nursing home to determine your transfer penalty. So to give you just a quick example here of the marital spend down, if you've got 300,000 in assets and you divide by two, that's 150 each, but you've hit your 130,000 maximum. So in that case, you would have a spend down of 169,000. In example two, where you've got 200,000 in assets, divide by two, that means the community spouse can keep half 100,000, and then they would have to spend down half 100,000. And lastly, if you had 40,000 divide by two, they say 20,000 is too little to leave the community spouse. And so the community, you'd hit at that point the floor of 26,076, and your spend down would only be about $13,924. One thing to note that Medicaid does not look at prenups, postnups, or uh, any uh, type of arrangement between the parties. So it's everything that's both spouses. Uh, so it can be either spouse, uh, it can be jointly together or held separately. And because of Obergefell, this now applies to same-sex spouses universally uh, as, as it would to non-same-sex spouses. And one item here, the gift and transfer penalties, uh, because we're over on time, understand that it's they add up everything that they uh, that has been gifted or transferred within the last five years. Then they take that and divide it by the average cost of a nursing home. And then that becomes your penalty. Now, the penalty is not a financial penalty like you would get, say, from the IRS. The penalty is going to be a term of ineligibility. Uh, basically, from the moment you apply for Medicaid, they'll tell you how long you are unable to receive coverage from Medicaid. And those penalties can be rather disastrous if you plan or fail to plan or, or don't plan well. And that is why if you're going to be working uh, it, with the Medicaid spend down, uh, you know, as the head of the certified Medicaid planner governing board, I would encourage you to seek out a planner such as uh, Lynn, who is certified, who understands this uh, area uh, and can you know work with you to uh, to help you get to your um, desired goals, um, and uh, so that is our uh, that is our topic today. Uh, and I hope uh, I, I tried to fit my entire 500 uh, <laughs> page book into a uh, 30 minute webinar, and uh, so uh, that's as much as you're going to be able to get from me today, though. Uh, so so no again, thank you for having us. Very good. Thank you, Michael. So I don't have to read anything tonight. Very good. Thank you. Um, 
uh, Lynn, question for you. When sure. is when should somebody reach out to you as a certified Medicaid planner? They can reach out to me if they want to start pre-planning. So if they just want to start thinking about what would I do if this happens to me, you know, how would I kind of plan ahead of time? Or it can be as late as, you know, they already have a loved one in a nursing home. So there's really no set time. I'm happy to answer questions. So if somebody's just starting to think about it, you know, they can feel free to call and, and we can just take a look at what's going on in their situation. And if there's anything they need to do right now, or if it's something that they, you know, don't need to do anything for yet. So it's not really answering your question as to a specific time, but it's pretty open. And, you know, the best thing is to just start getting informed. And right. just the things I would add to that is number one, sooner the better. Uh, so this is usually most people go to looking for a planner right after they've been denied long-term care insurance. So okay. if, you know, so that's number one. The other thing is, is that what one misconception is that because of the five-year look back, you can't do any planning if you're already in the nursing home that you're basically stuck, and that is absolutely not true. You can still do planning. Even if you're, as long as there's still money to be spent down, there are still planning opportunities available. Excellent. Wow. Um, really good information, Michael and Lynn. Thank you. Uh, Lynn, how can people find you? Um, they can either go to my website if they just want to start getting a little more informed. They can also call me or email me, um, lynn at mediassetprotect.com. And the number is there, 973-898-5959. And again, even if um, they just have questions, we've covered a lot of information and Michael tried to go as fast as he could, but it is a lot. So if it just brought up more questions, just feel free to give me a call or email. I'm happy to answer and um, yeah, kind of fill in any of the gaps from the presentation today. Very good. As far as Knowledgeable Aging, you can find all of our archive webinars on our website, knowledgeableaging.com. You can also go to our YouTube page, uh, type in Knowledgeable Aging. We encourage you to subscribe. We update the YouTube page uh, about four to five times per week. If podcasts are your thing, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Tunes, et cetera. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.